This morning we continue to explore forgiveness, God's forgiveness for us, and the demand upon our lives as Christians to forgive one another. Our scripture passage comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Listen to God's word. So then, remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He's abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances so that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access to one spirit, to the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. I have two boys, and they were born just a few years apart, and when they were young, they always shared a room. Now, most of the time, it worked out quite well, but there were moments, moments when Al and I thought we needed to give up our literal study or these boys would be lifelong enemies. And one of those moments was the great Lego controversy. Our boys loved Legos. They played with them all the time, and it was one thing that they did together and enjoyed. But as our oldest son, Joshua, grew and his skill grew, he began to create things that he, he, he wanted to preserve. They were little treasures, and so we made a shelf for him in, his, in the bedroom, and he would put his little treasures on this shelf, things like Star Wars, you know, planes and pirate ships, things like that. One day, his little brother, Andrew, decided he wanted to play with these treasures. He climbed up onto the dresser to get to the shelf, and can you kind of see what's coming next? Before long, the shelf came crashing down, and all of those Lego treasures were smashed on the ground. Hundreds of Lego pieces on the ground. Josh was devastated. And so was Andrew, because now his best friend and playmate wouldn't talk to him and wouldn't play with him. To make it worse, Josh decided to build a wall, a Lego wall, in this bedroom. And the wall ran the entire length of the room. It ran to the dresser, up the dresser, down the dresser, and up the wall to the little shelf. And Joshua said, Andrew cannot come over this wall. And it stood there. It stood there for a really long time, a physical reminder that Josh had been wronged, that Andrew was guilty, and that they weren't going to be playing Legos together for a while. Finally, Al and I took Joshua out to McDonald's after school one day. We plied him with chicken nuggets and chocolate milk, which usually works. 
And we said, now, honey, you know, Andrew is really sorry for what he did. And, and don't you miss having someone to play with? And isn't that wall kind of getting in the way in your room? Isn't it kind of hard to get around? I will never forget that sweet little seven-year-old boy, his face so serious and so sweet, listening to us. And finally, he put his little head in his hands, and he says, I, I know the wall is stupid, but I'm so mad, I still need the wall for a while. I need the wall for a little longer. Isn't that the way it is when we're angry, when we're afraid, when we want to control something painful or hide from something difficult? We build walls, and we're really good at it, aren't we? We can wall off whole chunks of our heart, whole zip codes of our soul if need be, we can build divides that push others away, even those we dearly love. And when it comes to people who are different, who we perceive as competition or threat or strange or difficult to understand, well, that's when we do our finest wall building, right? Yes, we are people who seem to need our walls. And we live in a world where new walls are being constructed every day between races and cultures, between police and communities, between nations, genders, generations, religious groups, churches, socioeconomic groups, you name it, and we can build a wall that will separate us from one another and that will breed hostility with one another. It's like little Joshua said, we seem to need our walls. This morning, as we continue to focus on forgiveness, I have just one simple message, one thing to add to our forgiveness conversation, and it is this. Forgiveness never happens without some wall tumbling down. Forgiveness never happens without some wall tumbling down. You can't forgive yourself without a wall tumbling down. You can't receive forgiveness from God or anyone else without a wall tumbling down. You can't extend forgiveness to anyone without some wall tumbling down. And brothers and sisters in Christ, you and I and the church, we are God's holy experiment in wall deconstruction. At least that's what the Apostle Paul suggests in our scripture lesson this morning. Now, I want to turn to this lesson in the second chapter of Ephesians, but first, let me remind you, the Apostle Paul knew a lot about building walls. You see, as a Pharisee, he was an expert in the law. He knew what was within the bounds of righteousness and what wasn't. As one of God's chosen Young Paul worked to keep the proper barriers between Israel and those others, you know, the foreigners, the Gentiles. It had been that way for generations, and most likely Paul never questioned it. He believed God's people needed good walls. When Paul went to the temple in Jerusalem on holy days, he would pass through the court of the Gentiles on the outside of the temple, and then he would come to a wall, a physical barrier, a real wall, that separated the court of the Gentiles from the other courts of the temple. 
And posted on that wall in both Greek and Latin was this notice. Listen. No foreigner is to go beyond the balustrade and the plaza of the temple zone. Whoever is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his death, which will follow. What a dividing wall. What a wall of hostility. It separated Jews and Gentiles in the temple for generations. Yes, Paul knew something of building and protecting and enforcing walls. And then something happened to him, something he never anticipated. It happened on the road to Damascus. It's there that Paul met the risen Christ. And the walls, those carefully constructed walls of his understanding, his heart and soul came tumbling down. It's in the third chapter of Galatians that Paul writes, in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, slave or free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. Friends, that's not the writing of a good Pharisee. That's the writing of one whose heart and mind are being deconstructed by the love and the mercy of God. Now, decades later, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And it's a church struggling. It's struggling with walls. Walls between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians between the old traditional ways of doing things and new ways of doing things, between insiders and outsiders. It's a church dangerously close to building walls of hostility, dangerously close to forgetting God's holy experiment in wall deconstruction. So you might expect Paul to get all fiery on these troublesome Christians. You know how he was to kind of land into them, to tell them to shape up, to forgive each other, to reconcile with each other, to smash those walls, to make peace. But that's not what Paul does. Listen again to Paul's words in the second chapter of Ephesians. Christ is our peace, he says. Christ has made us into one. Christ has broken down the dividing wall, the hostility between us. Christ reconciled all of us to God in one body through the cross, putting to death hostility and proclaiming peace to the near and peace to the far off. In other words, in Christ's death and resurrection, those walls, those things that divide you and create hostility between you, they are permanently, permanently broken down. Christ is your peace, Paul says. Christ is your peace. Listen to that, my friends. Let it sink in for a minute. Christ is our peace peace. In Christ, the dividing walls, all dividing walls, no matter how ugly or hostile, all of them are too flimsy to stand, period. In Christ, real forgiveness, real reconciliation for our families, for our church, for this world, it's not only possible, it's being accomplished even as we gather around this table this morning. 
So what does that mean for us? Well, we still love our walls, and forgiveness of all kinds still won't be possible until some of these walls come tumbling down. So let me do this. Let me play the Apostle Paul card with you this morning. Like Paul, I'm not going to give you a command this morning about the walls in your life, the walls you might be building or hiding behind. I'm not going to command you to forgive or be reconciled with anyone. I'm not going to command you to smash the walls of hostility that you are building or hiding behind. I'm not going to even command you to be more united as a church to be more loving as a church, more understanding, more peace-loving as a church. I'm not going to command you to make peace with your family, your enemies, or the people you work with. And I'm not going to command you to leave this place and get out there in Austin tearing down dividing walls of race and socioeconomic inequality. Instead, Like Paul, I'm simply going to remind you of something. In the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the deconstruction of hostilities is already underway, and you're invited to be a part of it. Dividing walls are already being toppled, and you can join in. Peace, real peace. It's not coming from our work or our will, it is flowing into our world as a precious, life-sustaining gift from God available to each one of us, to our families and our church and our world. During the Nazi invasion of the Netherlands, there was a Christian family named the Ten Booms. I'm sure you've heard of them. They worked tirelessly to save their Jewish neighbors from the Nazis, and they were found out. And the entire family was sent to concentration camp, and only one member of the family survived. Her name was Corey. Corey Tamboon lived to be a ripe old age and shared her story with many. You can see her on YouTube. You can read her story. But she often talked about a day in Berlin after the war when a man walked up to her and said, Hello, Fräulein Tenboon, do you remember me? And she looked up, and it was one of the guards from her concentration camp. Not only one of the guards, but one of the cruelest. And he said to her, I have now become a Christian, and I am forgiven for my sins. But will you forgive me, Fräulein? And Corey wrote, I could not forgive him. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him, and I was not able. I could only hate him. And then, she writes, then I remembered Romans 5, 5. Wouldn't you like to be the kind of Christian in a situation like that that just remembered a verse? It's like that. Romans 5, 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have poured love into my heart by the power of the Spirit. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred 
and unforgiveness. And it was at that moment, she writes, that I was set free. I said, brother, give me your hand, and I shook hands with my cruel taskmaster. I could feel God's love streaming through my arms. She writes, you have never felt the ocean of God's love until you've forgiven an enemy. Can you forgive? She concludes, no, but God can. Friends, we may be good at building walls, but God's demolition power is stronger. And we may not be able to forgive or to break through barriers, but our God is able. Forgiveness of all kinds, it will not happen without some wall tumbling down. So I invite you now, I invite you to take these few moments. In the bulletin, there are a few lines right under the sermon title, and you can use the bulletin if you like. But I want you to take this time and look, really look at the walls that need to be deconstructed by the power of God in you, in your family, in this church, and in our world. Look hard. Look close. Remember Romans 5.5, 5, that God's love is being poured into your heart. Let it show you the way. I don't care if you write it down or just commit it to memory, but take this time. Do whatever works. Think about those walls. And then I beg you to lift those walls, to lift those barriers to the one who has the power to bring them down right here and right now. Let us take the time.